the, the biggest thing that co- coaches got to ask yourself, who do you say you are? You know, I don't want guys to completely change their system. If you need to figure out what you are, you need to take little things away that can help go along with what you already do. Today's podcast is from our archives with Brent Dearman from when he was the offensive coordinator at Arkansas Tech. Since that time, he's gone on to do big things. He served as the offensive coordinator for Florida Atlantic in 2022 after spending the 2021 season as the offensive coordinator at Middle Tennessee. Prior to that, he moved from his head coaching job at Bethel to Kansas. In his one season as the head coach at Bethel in 2018, Dearman guided the team to an undefeated regular season mark. Bethel posted a 10-0 regular season and a number three ranking while averaging 450.3 yards and the second highest scoring average in the country at 55 points per game. He was named the Mid-South Conference Coach of the Year. Dearman then made the rare jump from the NAIA to the FBS when he joined Les Miles' staff at Kansas in 2019 as a senior offensive consultant. Midway through the 2019 season, Dearman took over the program's offensive coordinator position and led the team to a 24.1 scoring average and more than 400 yards of total offense per game. He's always been at the forefront of RPO thinking, and it's become a big part of the offenses he has directed. This episode is one of three we have done with Coach Dearman. He talks about assembling gap sound RPOs that attack the defense across the entire field. At the time, he released a book, which is still available on iTunes, but he's also put together a comprehensive course with the same material on CoachTube. We will link that in the show notes. Be sure to listen to The Winning Edge at the end of the interview. That's our takeaways and ideas for implementation from this episode. What you see on tape is a direct reflection of what you teach and how you teach. Video is important, but if you don't teach well, you're not going to like what you see on your video. First Down Playbook has been helping coaches teach better for 13 years. It allows you to present installs, playbooks, and practice cards in half the time with NFL quality. Coaching tools like video pairing, a player app, practice schedules, and wristband sheets have made First Down Playbook a program management system with everything in one place. If you're in a position of leadership with your football program, receive a free one-week look at First Down Playbook. Call them at 512-814-6158 or visit them on their website or social media. Mention Coach and Coordinator Podcast or use the coupon code COACH24 to receive a $100 discount off the normal $700 First Down Playbook team membership price. Links and the phone number are in the show notes. Coach, it's great to have you back here, and thanks for joining us again on the podcast. Yes, thanks, Keith. Always good talking with you. Coach, so first of all, we've shared some of this before, but give us a little bit about your background, especially in regard to the RPO and what you've done to evolve it in your offense. i tell you what, I've come from a long way, Keith. When, when I was in high school, I played for my dad. We were uh, an high backfield. I was under center every snap. I was going to turn the handball off about 85 90% of the game most of the time. I went to college, was went to kind of the same offense, probably not as high of a percentage of a run, but then started my coaching career, and, and that's what I, I started out as, so that's all I knew. And had a chance to go with Coach Malzahn in 2013 and 14 in Auburn and, and learned the, the 20 personnel system. And now we what we've kind of done now is we've taken that run system, that box system that, that Coach Malzahn is known for, power run game, and we've just attached all of our, our passing concepts with it. 
So it's not anything new for any coach that's reading this book. You're all, you're already doing these concepts. We're just combining them. I think one way we describe it in the book is you know, when I go to McDonald's, I don't order a Big Mac, fries, and, and, and a and a drink. I just order a number one. So that's all we've done is we've combined concepts to create our, our number one value meal. Coach, let's let's talk a little bit about how this has evolved for you, because that is the title of your book, The Evolution of the RPO. What were you initially looking to do? What what did you want to attack in the defenses you were seeing that you said, hey, you know, we have this obviously high-powered offense we got from Gus Malzahn, but we can add this modern trend to it, this modern tool to attack defenses in a different way? For year one, Keith, is in, in 2015 here we averaged 270 yards rushing a game. And at the end of the day, I want to run the football. And if you want to win football games, you've got to be able to run the football. But we were starting to consistently see eight-man boxes every week. So we were in the dilemma of do we just tighten down our receivers even more, try to get down there and dig those guys out, or we've got to create some kind of way to get those guys out of the box with still having a downhill run mentality. You know, we could call pass game, but it's not the same mentality for your O-line. So I, I liked it when my O-line get to come off the ball and they get to hit, hit people in the mouth instead of pass blocking and getting vertical so much. Another thing that we were looking at is my first two years here, we had more of the running quarterbacks, and we could read C-gap defensive ends and make them wrong all the time. Now uh, we've kind of changed what kind of QB we've got now, so we had to find a way to still read a gap but not the C gap. We wanted to keep our guy right. He got hurt for us last year, game three, because we were running him a little bit too much. So now we're, instead of reading the C gap defensive ends, we're now reading that D gap conflict player a lot more. I know in looking at RPOs, a lot of teams are trying to do what you've done. You know, take one component of what you do, marry it with another, and like you said, call it a number one, right? Put it together in a different way. And and coaches, in some instances, I think get carried away, and, and you know they're like Dr. Frankenstein assembling all these different parts, but you, you still have to put them together in a, a certain way so that it functions. And that's something you and I were talking about before we got started here, that a lot of teams are trying to do RPOs, but they're not doing it in a sound way. So how do you make it sound and protect the quarterback? I'll tell you what you've got to do is you've got to figure out what you're trying to accomplish and what guy you're trying to pick on. You know, one of our top RPOs that we currently have is we're going to run the split zone ISO. And the, the only issue that we have with split zone ISO is if the SAM linebacker or the field safety get into the run fit too fast and get an extra half. Because I know my O-line and my H-back can block the four down, the wheel, and the mic. So I don't even look at those guys. I see a lot of people trying to leave a Will or a Mike linebacker unblocked in RPOs. Well, the problem you're going to have with that is I can't always know what those guys are going to do. So I'm going to always account for them in the run box. My quarterback is just going to have his post-snap eyes on either that Sam linebacker or that free safety, depending on who is sitting in that D gap based off of coverage. So we wanted to marry up a concept that got one of our receivers into his pass responsibility. And if it's the Sam, he's got to get all the way out to the flats and, and his cover four concept. So what we've attached is a concept that everybody in the country puts in about day one or day two is the snag concept. So we're going to run that outside receiver on that sit-down route at about six yards. 
that corner is going to take the corner and the safety out with his route. So that snag, that sit route, is picking on that one Sam linebacker. So I'm putting him in conflict. Instead of asking multiple defensive players to be in conflict, I can only ask my quarterback to truly read one guy instead of multiple guys poaching out. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I know, uh, you know, one concept you shared in your book, which I, I just love the way you were looking at it a little bit differently. I, I mean, I've certainly have thought of those ideas before, but you talked about the hot gap. Talk to us a little bit about what is the hot gap and how do you utilize that as a tool in RPO? Well, first off, you know, any RPO concept, we would rather do the inside zone. And the inside zone is so good because I, my quarterback's always going to be protected from C-gap to C-gap. So he knows that he's only hot off outside pressure. So what we had to come up and develop is we want to still be able to run downhill, gap-down offense with the power, the counter, and the buck sweep. But with all those plays, you're pulling a backside guard. And any time I pull a guard to add a gap to one side, that means I'm losing a gap on the backside. And me being a religious guy, Keith, my, my <laughs> dad used to teach me in Sunday school, and it says in the Bible, you can't serve two masters. So there's no way that that tackle on that gap so hinge can block the B and the C gap. So he can't serve two masters. So if he gets any backside pressure in the B or the C gap, he is hot. So we call that a hot gap. And we're going to put his hot throw on the same side of his hot gap. That way his eyes never have to cross the center. He can keep his eyes to that side of the hot gap. I know a, another tool that you utilize within this, you mentioned putting the, the read to the hot gap, but you also have some pre-snap. Really, they're not RPOs. It's just a decision to throw quick. Uh, talk us through both pre-snap what you're doing at the line of scrimmage and then post-snap, pretty much that is, is standardized this for your quarterbacks. What we've done pre-snap is we've attached some of our quick game concepts, either double slants, double outs, a scene with a mini dig behind it. If it's to our, our single receiver and to the boundary, if he's our happens to be our pre-snap, he, he's a most time it's a choice for us, and that choice is based off whatever the quarterback thinks he has free access to. So, all we're doing is we're calling our quick game. So instead of me calling quick game on second and 10, I can call the RPO. And I know that the quick game is built in so that if it's there, I take it. And that's the only thing I tell my quarterbacks is if you have free access to the quick game concept, you throw it. And we better be 90% at those throws or we're not going to do them anymore. I've just threatened my quarterbacks and said we can always just tighten those receivers back down and we just dig out MDM if y'all can't read it right. So – the hot gap is always going to be on my, my pre-snap side. I can't post-snap read a hot gap. I've got to see that pressure coming. i got to deal it out to that side. The post-snap side is when I'm putting the D-gap player in conflict in my ride. I'm not going to make that decision right now. I'm still going to ride the running back the same way I would do his own read and make him either suck down into that D-gap run fit or he's going to bail and get into usually his flats or hook zone. Even though you mentioned you really like to do this stuff off of zone blocking, you certainly spend a lot of time in your book on the, on the gap schemes. In fact, you call the power the American football play. Um, it's certainly a play a lot of coaches like to utilize. What do you like about the power as, as something built into the RPO system? I like the power because it's a downhill, it's a mentality play. 
you know, the inside zone has become such of a, uh, your, your back's got to have great vision. Most of the time it's hitting the backside V gap on the cutback anyway. It's not a hit you in the mouth downhill play. The beautiful thing I like about power is I'm pulling that guard. I'm bringing an extra gap to the front side of the play and I'm hitting people in the mouth with angles, getting down blocks by my old lineman. With the inside zone, you've got so much one-on-one sometimes in my power system. I get a lot more double teams on the front side. I get a true kick out by my, my H-back where he's not having to think as much as he does on the inside zone. Usually he just kicks the end out with that guard wrapping down, and my tailback can get downhill right now. And then obviously you delve a little bit into the counter as well. I actually really liked, that was one of my favorite uh, takeaways, was what you did with the counter game in RPO. Talk to us and give us a little overview of that. What we tried to do is, and we really just sat down this offseason and said, you know, where can we take this? And a lot of things, we brought in our defensive staff sometimes and said, hey, what, what gives you guys a hard time? And they kind of helped us out with developing this stuff. Well, the first thing that one of my DCs told me is a lot of teams RPO the side of the back. So we wanted to mess around with that tendency. So what we did with our counter uh, is we put the back offset where he's going to be offset in a lot of our pass, straight pass concepts. He's going to be offset in our power read concepts. So we've, we've broke a lot of tendencies with the type of plays that we can run at the, the offset now. So we're going to cross face, and it looks like power read to that defensive end. So what happens is that DN is going to play a little bit softer. So I can get a kick out block more on it. Another thing I like about it is I am keeping my quarterback's shoulders parallel to the line of scrimmage now. A lot of RPOs, we turn, we ride at a 45, we ride at a 90. But what we've done with our counter is we're, since we're straight cross-facing, all he can do is stay parallel with the line of scrimmage. That way he can keep his eyes basically on the whole field. He can see his hot gap backside. He can see his post-snap, D-gap conflict player to the front side. Coach, you continue on with your, your utilization of different RPOs with the buck sweep scheme, which obviously is a, a staple in the Gus Malzahn offense. So tell us a little bit about what you did with the buck sweep to turn it into an RPO. With the buck, you know, you're losing well, the way we run it is we're going to set the edge with our nearest receiver to the call side. So the one negative you have with running buck RPO, the way we run it, is we lose a front side receiver in the pass concept. But I didn't want to change it because we can set the edge so well by bringing that crack receiver in on usually that wheel linebacker to set the edge. If I try to RPO that side and I ask O-lineman to try to block that wheel, it usually carries that play out too far when I just want to set the edge with that tailback, put his foot in the ground, and he can get north and south. You know, you see a lot of buck teams that try to carry that thing out to the sideline. It stretches so much, and I hate plays that just keep stretching. I want to set the edge, and I want that back to get vertical now. So we lose usually that boundary receiver from running into the boundary. But what we've done to the field, because I have a pulling guard, getting back to that hot gap philosophy, because I have a pulling guard, I need some type of hot to that side of the field. So we've got two concepts at the moment of either having the bubble that we can throw out there off of hot, or if I get that Sam linebacker too tight to the box off an apex look, QB can deal it right now. The other concept we've attached is the double slant concept, where the inside receiver is my hot, because usually that Mike linebacker is going to read 
that guard pulling, and if the Sam is blitzing, there's nobody left in that vacated spot. So I can do that right now in the hot. Or if I get the old school 4-3 apex Sam linebacker, I can deal the outside slant when he throttles down so he didn't run to get covered up. As coaches, we know that some of the biggest hurdles to our team's success can come from off the field. Your team needs support to tackle the endless list of expenses, uniforms, training equipment, travel, and more. But raising that money can feel like a full-time job. Thankfully, there's Vertical Raise. Vertical Raise is the premier online fundraising platform using innovative technology to create the easiest and most efficient system available. Raise more money in less time with a local fundraising coach who works with your team every step of the way to customize the ideal fundraiser. With options for online donations, digital discount cards, premium product sales, and even spirit shops, Vertical Raise has top-of-the-line solutions for every fundraising style. To find out more, visit verticalraise.com and we'll get you connected with an exclusive offer on your first fundraiser. I've always been interested in the use of technology to make our jobs more effective, so I'm excited to continue sharing modern football technology with you here on the podcast. This innovative system leverages tendencies to improve self-scouting, game planning, and in-game decision-making at the speed of the game. Modern football stands out because it's a battle-tested platform used by teams at all levels, like four-time national champion Bishop Gorman, the five-time California state champion Folsom Bulldogs, six-time Texas state champion Lake Travis, Cal football, and the CFL's Grey Cup champions, the Montreal Alouettes. So book a demo today to see why these teams trust modern football technology. Visit www dot team m-o-f-o dot com slash demo and mention coach and coordinator podcast or use the coupon code cc10 to receive 10 percent off your first year coach i guess the only other running scheme that uh, you cover here and, and have uh, utilized as an rpo is the outside zone and that's one that you uh, illustrate and pair with what you call glance in the book yes we kind of stumbled upon this year one because we've got one of the best H-backs I've ever had in coaching. Uh, he was a, an All-American last year for us, two-time All-Conference uh, player. So a lot of teams are now keying our H-back instead of keying our guards. So giving my, my defense staff a little bit of credit because that's what they were doing to us. So we wanted to come up with some type of concept that ran away from our H-back. And, and I could still be gap sound. So what we like to do is go an outside zone concept into the boundary, but I'm going to leave my H or my sniffer to the field to still handle the field C-gap because I never want the quarterback to stay in the pocket and leave the C-gap defender free for him to get hit. So, once again, I need a pre-snap to the field. It's either a quick game or a D-gap hot throw. So most of the time we usually are going to do our our double slants. We've attached double out concepts there before. Really whatever concept, quick game concept, that each coach wants to put there, you can mirror it up with that concept. Into the boundary, I'm going to read that boundary safety. And if he comes hard down into that run fit during the cross-face ride, you know, that's the the one thing that, that I don't like about the concept is you're not in pistol. You're not getting a downhill outside zone run, but you're kind of sweeping around with the cross face with the tailback. So you got to have a good tailback that can stick his foot in the ground and get vertical as soon as he sees the gap. But if that boundary safety gets down hard in the D gap, 
I'm going to pull it and I'm going to throw the glance post over the top to my X or my boundary receiver post snap. Coach, I think we covered the main concepts that you share. Oh, there's certainly a lot more in the different ways you utilize some of the passing game along with it. What would you say are some of the big things you've built into your system? I know one of the answers that really comes up for defensive guys is, hey, we're going to play man coverage. So what types of things do you built in to any of your RPOs that uh, attack some of those man coverage type you of know, defenses? Any of these concepts, when we sit down as a coaching staff, we, we always ask ourselves three questions. The first question is, is the quarterback protected and where is he protected? Most of, we're going to try to get him protected C-gap to C-gap on every play in some way. And if we're not, then we've got to build in some kind of answer there. The next question we ask is, who are we wanting to put in conflict? Usually it's the, the same linebacker, boundary safety, or field safety is our, is our conflict players. And then the last question is, is, what do we do if it's man? So you have to have some answer built into every play. Or your quarterback, what we've done, uh, Keith, I've been lucky. I'm sitting right now with a 4.0 engineer playing quarterback for me. So he's smarter than I am. So a lot of times he fixes me before I even say anything. So I'm blessed with what, what I do. So if he looks up and sees man, we've got about three man checks that we can get into based off what type of man it is. These are things that was not in the book. We want to give away everything. But if a coach is interested in knowing those type of things, they can always reach out to me, find that stuff out. But if it's if it's single high, playing cover one, I've taught my guys that they're missing a run half because their deep safety cannot get in the run fit anymore, and all their DB's eyes are facing away from the run. So we're going to check into a straight run usually because of the cover one protection. If they give me cover zero, then that's when I need to check into some type of max protection, and I'm going to get check me into some type of pick rub or deep ball throw and like i said i let my Q do it because he's as smart as he is a lot of coaches may want to do check me or check at the line plays where they check the quarterback into that situation because the other thing i like about your book certainly it shares all these these ideas with lots of cut-ups uh, you even put kind of a, a film room or a, a, a chalk talk in there i should say where where you guys are in there talking through the play on the whiteboard. Um, but you also include a chapter on practice. And all these things obviously are going to be successful on game day because you practice them the right way. So share with us a little bit uh, about your philosophy on practice and some of the things you've included about that. Well, the first thing I'm going to do is we're going to practice fast because our three things that we stand on is we want to be fast, we want to be physical, we want to be relentless. And that's uh, the three things I got from Coach Malzahn and his offense. So every period, we want to be fast. If you have to be half for three and a half, and then you need to teach or coach up at the end to give those guys a break before we go into the next period, I want a fast period every period. That helps us with our conditioning. That helps us with the way that we play the game. Another thing that we start off practice with every day is a pace period. That pace period is designed for us to go extremely fast. It's unrealistic how fast that we make that period, to be honest with you, of spotting the ball every five yards, and getting a snap off. And all I do is I call the same RPO. I pick one RPO each day to call, and I ask that QB to put us in usually all four of the, th the three throws and the run concept, just so each player is always involved, and we've got to make the catch, we've got to get back lined up. We've got to get the handoff, run it, get back lined up. So my QB is facing whatever, thing, whatever the defense decides to give him for those four straight plays in that, in that pace period. We never truly ever run RBAs, routes versus air. If I'm going to throw an RBA, 
it's usually based off of the RPO concept of the day. So if I'm throwing the glance, I'm going to work on my ride read, pull it, and throw the glance instead of just throwing glance posts that day or just throwing slants this day. It's usually, hey, I'm throwing this slant because I've got a hot backside. So we build in the concept in every ball we throw. We build in the concept in that pace period, and then we've got a perimeter run period where I'm allowed to either call some type of perimeter run, be an outside zone, power read. I can give any kind of perimeter run, or I can work on my D-gap conflict RPOs during that period as well. So that's another great period. A lot of snaps are happening right there. I also put video of a pace period and a perimeter period as cut-ups into that practice section of the book. I know that a lot of coaches would be interested in this topic. They can get your book on iTunes and the Apple Store. Again, it's The Evolution of the RPO by Brent Deerman and his assistant coach, Jared Haas. I highly recommend this. I think it was, uh, you know, I'm not coaching this season, but if I was, uh, this certainly would be in my resource, in my library, in my resources as something uh, I'd be looking at throughout the season. Uh, Coach, what other things do you think, regardless of what type of offense a, a team's building its RPOs into, what do you think the reader could get out of this book? The, the biggest thing that co- coaches got to ask yourself, who do you say you are? You know, I don't want guys to completely change their system. You need to figure out what you are. You need to take little things away that can help go along with what you already do. You know, if you're a power team, look at our power concepts. If you're a big inside zone team, then maybe our inside zone concepts would be good for you. Don't do a complete overhaul. The other thing I like to always remind guys is be sound. You know, I'm a former QB, and I can't imagine trying to play in an RPO system that's not gap sound. Make sure you're gap sound in what you do. Have an answer if you're not gap sound for your quarterback so he can stay upright during the game. You can protect him for the full season. And the last thing is, like we just talked about, you've got to have your man answers at any point. Whatever you want your man answers to be, We've put a couple man answers that we do in the book as well that people can get out of it. But at any time, if anybody wants to reach out to me, feel free to. I love talking ball at any time. Well, Coach, uh, thanks for sharing what you do. Some great endorsements on your part. We had Coach Malzahn in there, Tim Horton, the running backs coach at Auburn, and uh, Coach Bobby Bentley from South Carolina, all endorsing your book. So those are some some pretty good names in football saying that, hey, this is some really good stuff. Uh, I loved it, like I said, uh, you know, reading through it and looking at all the different ideas, and I really like that there's a lot of, uh, of resources with it, including all the videos. So great job on putting this together. Again, it's the evolution of the RPO. Coach D. Chairman, thanks again for joining us on the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you, Keith, for having me. Always, always a pleasure. It's time for the Winning Edge. Takeaways and ideas for implementation in your own program. One, Coach Dearman gives a simple but very effective filter for looking at assembling an RPO in any offense by understanding where the hot gap is and building your RPO to account for that hot gap. In this way, you remain sound in protecting both the running back and the quarterback from unblocked hitters. A good practice here would be to pull out your playbook and take a look at all the RPOs that you have and where is the hot gap. Be sure that you have something accounting for that and coming in behind it with your RPO. Two, utilize your defensive staff to help you understand how you are being attacked. What causes difficulties for a defense and how to evolve what you do to attack a defense. 
This is a great way to build staff chemistry by creating an open dialogue where the different sides of the ball do not get siloed from each other. While Coach Dearman talked about doing this in the offseason, I've found that having even a short session together with the staff on the other side of the ball in season helped us tighten up our game plan. Three, create practice periods that work for your team based on what you do. We heard Coach Dearman talk about routes versus air and their adaptation so that they are making the throws that have a mesh because that's what they do. He talked about the different ways that they utilize their outside run period, which allows them to work the RPO more here as well. The point is, while most teams have a standardized set of periods, like inside run, skelly, routes on air team as examples, there's nothing written anywhere that says you have to do it that way. If you need ideas, get out the spring ball and go watch your local college team, regardless of the level. See what they are doing and ask them why they do that. Then go back and look at your practice template and start with, why do we do this? At the very least, it will give you more depth of understanding of how you best develop your players within your system. Be sure to check out the links in our show notes. There we have courses from Coach Dearman. We have a featured article on the RPO with Coach Dearman and the two other episode links that we've done with him before. Be sure to go to coachingcoordinator.com and sign up for our weekly tip sheet. In this, we give you some of the best ideas from the week of podcast, as well as featured articles and recommended resources. Again, go to coachandcoordinator.com. Also follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski.